Hey guys. Hello everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's the next episode. The next episode. Or the current episode. But maybe for somebody else I'm that might have been. I'm getting inside my head now. <laughs> maybe for someone else that it's has been listening. It's fun in here. Join me. <laughs> <laughs> How is everybody? How are you all doing? We're just going to silence the take a pause there for you to respond. Good. Okay, good. Glad yeah, to hear yeah, that. Yeah. Well done. I'm glad you're doing good. Oh, I'm doing terribly. <laughs> yeah, Come no. back. I'm so I'm glad sorry. you're having a great I'm day. sorry to hear that, if that's the case. So maybe we can cheer you up today with our brand of crazy history. Crazy. We're going to pretend this is the first time we've recorded this episode. But it's not. We recorded an entire episode, but we weren't really happy with it. We didn't feel it was our strongest. No, it wasn't. Um, and then we needed to Maybe feed. a bit subdued. It was because we were hungry. <laughs> Yeah. We realised that we were just starving, so we had a massive meal there. And um, Shout out to Luigi's. Luigi's in Mitchellstown. And we are now full of food and full of fun and full of facts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I and wouldn't have been able to alliterate like that two hours ago. Just wouldn't have happened. No, I think we were quite delirious. Uh, yeah, we were just hungry and kind of yeah. hangry. And I was like, here's my facts. Here's my topic again for you. I'm cranky again. Um... <laughs> okay it wasn't quite that bad um but yeah so we and we talked about uh our lovely night last night now i know if you're listening to this you're probably not particularly interested in the shenanigans that we get up to outside of the podcast but we wanted to say um just a thank you to tasha it was her birthday so thank you tasha happy birthday girl yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she yeah put on them yeah 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 bomba <clears throat> Where are you? Sammy Mumba, where are you, girl? Um, so yeah, we had a great we had a great night last night with Tasha, Aoife, Amanda, and Kelly. 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 And it was <laughs> it was it was a really niche reference. If you get it, you get us and we're friends. Um it was a really fun night and it was great crack. And amazing. uh we just want to say hi to those girlos and any girlo listening to the podcast or Hey. Anyone else. How's it going? Yeah. Yeah. Um okay. And the lads. And everybody in between. And it's almost Christmas. It's Christmas time. That we're very singing tonight. Mm-hmm, we're just mm-hmm. yeah, we're very especially after our food and our. our well, we um, were singing, you know, while waiting for our food and mimicking the one and only Bono or Bono, as he used to call him. As a child. Bono. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, and I you I was going to do a Christmas topic. I didn't actually. In the mm-hmm. end, I explained this again um, a while ago, but I'm going to explain it again for you guys. Um, this is so contrived now because I've already said all of this, but I'm just like I'm not judging acting. Um, <laughs> I was going to do. Uh, the First World War ceasefire truce thing that um, occurred throughout the Western Front in 1914 to the first Christmas of the First World War. And um, it's a really interesting topic, like on Christmas Day that they put down their arms and they, the um, Allies and the, uh, the the British side and the Germans that they stopped for one day to exchange presents and be all like, Guten Tag! And... Hello, old chap. And um, yeah, I was going to do it and it was it was going well, but then I didn't feel I was getting enough out of it. But there was one interesting fact that I came across that I was like, I need to share this on the podcast with my peeps, mm-hmm. um, which was that some people refused to like take part in it because they were like, nine, <laughs> I don't like this. Um, and that person was, you know this because I've already told you now. Can I say it again? Yeah, you can. It was Adolf Hitler. <laughs> like, and he was really against gifts. Yeah, yeah, he just didn't want to partake in the festivities. Shocking, I know. Watch but um, a Grinch. Yeah, such a Grinch. The Grinch, yeah. 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 Um, so that was my that was my thing, but then I decided to do something else completely different. So Yeah. That's how my brain works. Mm-hmm. It's driving very quickly in one direction, then it just completely like segued Segways. off and I took a left, a hard left, and was like I'm gonna do this instead. She's a segue mind. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I suppose I'll just throw it out there, will I? The old, uh, the actually corner oh, today. Yes, the actually corner. It's your turn. It's time for the actually corner. What's your favorite cake? My favorite cake. Mm. Um, mm, I I like a coffee cake, fudge yeah. cake, oh, chocolate yeah. cake. Oh, coffee cake! But I like a good Victoria sponge as well. Oh, sponge! I love red velvet. Mm, I'm not a red velvet. I'm not a massive red velvet. Fan. I like bounties as well. Oh, we're are, we, are we getting into it? Going to go there. Let's go there. Let's go to bounties. Um, I suppose uh, just to throw it out there, the old common mis you know well misconception that during the financial revolution um you know that whole story about marie antoinette just telling everybody you know finding out all about the peasants and mm-hmm. you know they're, they're revolting and she's like um i don't know how to do a good french accent hold up oui oui let's meet cake oh wait she's actually austrian, austrian so she's more like let's meet, let's cake. meet cake yeah and yeah. um, that's not true everybody I, I know it's a common one that most people are aware of but obviously she didn't say it in fact it was revolutionary propaganda that began that so i mean essentially that got into people's heads and by the time she was being executed by guillotine um yeah that was kind of what was in everybody's mind it was like hey that chick said they let us all eat cake they she didn't hated give a crap. her like the public didn't like her at the best of times so they were just waiting they were waiting for a reason and they during the reign of terror and they got that reason and they were like off with that bee's head mm-hmm. yeah and i mean yeah as i said you know in our previous recording i mean i was a bit nervous thinking about the whole fact imagine just imagine being drawn through a crowd of people and you're seeing the guillotine kind of turn around the corner and you're like, ah, crap. I would be, I, I said this in the last recording too, I would be okay with the guillotine compared to other methods of execution in Europe. I feel it's one of the more humane, um, the humane, one of the more humane ways to die because like, quick. my thing today, we're going to be talking about executions. Yeah. During my piece. Yeah. And um, like, if you're getting your head chopped off in England, it's with an axe or, yes, mostly an axe. And I just, it's not, you can't. It's not for me. It's just, no. I mean, I would, I would happily go to the guillotine. Well, there, happily. There's worse ways to be executed, for sure. There is, there yeah, is. So I feel that, things. yeah. I love the fact that in the office, you know, when you get the, the blade that you cut, like, paper oh. with that we call it the guillotine. We're yeah. like, and I love it. And the power. And like, this is how it must have felt. <laughs> Just another teacher just walking paper. around the corner. Imagine I'm just like paper in the bin and I'm just, just salivating at the mouth. Just, yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> Gone way off the mouth. got very there. carried away there. It's okay to get carried away. Just like Enya when she sings Sail Away. Sail away, sail away. <laughs> Does she get carried away? <laughs> I hope she gets carried away. I hope she can't. I hope she can never stop singing Sail Away. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Orinoco Flow. Is that Orinoco flow? That is Orinoco yeah. flow. And um, that's the one. Or, um, only Is it only time? Oh, yeah. Only. I like a bit of, I like a bubble bath oh, and yeah. a bit of Enya. And a glass of vino. Yeah, there's nothing like it, really. Mm-hmm. There isn't um, candles. So, Enya, thank you for the many nights that you've helped relax and unwind me after a d- difficult day at work. Imagine. <laughs> Imagine Enya's actually She's there. In your with her harp or whatever it is just like I'm like Enya could you pass me the bubble bath please she's like would you like Radox <laughs> or would you like this cheaper version called CN <laughs> and I'm like no Enya I don't want that I want either. the chutneys <laughs> give me some Eps is it Epstein salts or oh my god what Epson Epson salts Epsom Epstein salts <laughs> that's the 
guy. Oh no. Oh dear God. Oh, God. <laughs> this is worse than Anastasia. This is worse. I didn't think it could get worse. But it did. <laughs> Epstein falls. <laughs> well, we've already recorded one episode. <laughs> we, we already deleted we one. Episode. Recording we can't it, delete this one, so. <laughs> oh, that oh, was dear. brilliant. That was good. That was very good. So, anyway. I think um, it's time you get Yeah, I'll move along. Move along. Um, okay, so for today's topic, <laughs> again, um, <laughs> you know, I was researching a lot of history. I'm going to have to pretend all my reactions are Yeah, like, I have to be really genuine. <clears throat> I'm gonna Just give, don't okay. go over the top. Keep it yeah. very... Oh my God, that is an interesting fact that I did not hear ever before. <laughs> is that good? Try harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not good. <laughs> um... But yeah, you know, I was researching a lot of history and we know yeah. that history is very, um, it's interesting, but it's often filled with really tragic, bloody, carnage you know, controversial kind of events. Yeah, it's like WrestleMania. Oh, what a show. Yeah. SummerSlam. My thing is the Royal Rumble. That was my jam, the Royal when Rumble. When Edge just, came back. Always found it more interesting. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> Do you remember? You were very excited about Edge. telling me that Edge is back that time. <laughs> she hasn't stopped quoting it to me now Edge and then. I often think that we have very niche interests. Also, a lot of people listen to this won't have an idea clue what we're talking about. Like sometimes I'm listening back to the podcast and I'm giggling away and I'm like, if somebody doesn't watch WWE wrestling and doesn't know Rats what the Royal me. Rumble is and doesn't know who Edge is, they're only listening to this thing like, what? the hell are they talking about <laughs> we really appreciate but that we're you like keep just listening. just get involved i'd say they, they push on the 15 second forward button a lot i of do times. that a lot to be I fair in podcasts when i don't like what they're talking about yeah. or when i'm uncomfortable like not uncomfortable if it's like an animal dying or something i'm like <sighs> don't <laughs> you're like interesting how how coincidental um no but it, I promise you things turn out good. I know they do. They do. And I know listeners like me are probably feeling a bit anxious. Don't you An worry. animal does not die. It's fine. Don't you I worry. I got you all. I'm holding Because I heard it already. Yeah. I have my arms around every listener. <laughs> we <laughs> With talked consent. about this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> We're not allowed to touch them. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So in the spirit of everything being Christmas, because we're at Christmas time now, um, I thought I would kind of research a, a story or a history that is centered on something nice and heartwarming. Um, but in order, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, I sound, I sound like an old man. <coughs> That's it. Um, but in order to tell, to tell listeners and yourself about the story, I got to give context, okay? So... Um, when people think of World War II, okay, we're in the 1940s here now, and they don't really think too much about Ireland, okay? Ireland, you know, this little island, we were a neutral country, we're sitting quietly on the edge of Europe, we want nothing to do with this drama, it's the best feeling in the world, one of the best feelings in the world, you know, where everybody's fighting all around you and you're not involved and you're like, phew, I'm safe, cool, all right, Mm -hmm. eat some popcorn. Um, But... Believe it or not, Ireland was uh, very sweaty around this time. Not weather-wise, I mean, you know. <laughs> Never weather-wise, maybe like once every two, weeks two yeah. in July. Mm. That uh, We won't we even go into that heat wave that happened during the summer. Yeah. Um, but uh, because the Germans, okay, the Germans were attacking um, British territories uh, from the air, um, Ireland was getting sweaty because they had a feeling that maybe the German bombers might be flying over Ireland and they might, um, I guess they might think that the Germans would bomb them. So 
what the Irish did, and it's very, very clever, um, they burned these large era signs into the ground around the country, okay? In flat, open geological locations. So, you know, uh, for example, if you're lost on an island and you need to write a big SOS sign into the sand or whatever, you'll you'll really write it out so that a plane might spot you. And the thing is, is it's very similar, you know, to Tom Hanks and Castaway. We've already been here at this joke in our previous recording. But for any listeners <laughs> who need to know why a bunch, of, well, why I earned the name uh, Castaway, it's because when we were much younger, we would climb a lot of mountains around where we live. And yeah, I'd be very overprepared. I'd bring a sleeping bag. It'd be a hot summer's day. We're fine. We're only a few kilometers from home, but I bring everything. I bring everything you need to survive. I had the pin knife. I had the sleeping bag. <sighs> yes, because in the wilds of County Limerick, who knows what you would meet up the mountains? Nobody knows. Rabid it, sheep. See? Could have happened. Yeah, you have my back. It never did, to be fair. And um, they called me castaway for like 10 years. You, we, because we were going up the mountain for like a combined total of two hours. <laughs> You could probably see the road from where we were at and you were bringing like, oh my God. And you were just so small. I was tiny. I'm still tiny. Just like lepping up the mountains. Mm -hmm. But I had your backs and nobody's laughing now. Okay. Nobody's laughing now. Who knew a global pandemic would come and hit, but I was ready. (laughs) I was ready. I've built a bunker out the back. Um, But yes, during WW2, um, everyone was getting sweaty about these German pilots flying over Ireland. So what the Irish did was they burned large era signs. Now, era stands for Ireland, okay, for our non-Irish uh, lingo uh, listeners. So they burned them around the whole terrain. And I actually went uh, doing some little research, having a, an observation of some maps where all these era signs are located on the ground. And they span all the way from the south of Cork, all the way up the Atlantic Way on the west of Ireland, and all the way to the, the tip of Donegal. Now... Um, why am I talking about this? As in, I'm, I'm bringing it out. To, you know, I'm starting everything around uh, World War Two. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the issue really is is that people kind of forget about Northern Ireland during this phase of the war. Um, even though we don't really want to go down this rabbit hole. Um, well, Northern Ireland, whether we want to talk about it or not, was considered as part of the the UK. Okay, so essentially, it could have been a target for the Germans to bomb. So why would um Germany think about maybe targeting Northern Ireland. Well, uh, specifically Belfast, which is the capital of Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland, and it's very industrial, and there was a lot of shipbuilding there and manufacturing of of, of certain things that would have been used for war. Okay, mm-hmm. but everybody up in Northern Ireland, or for the most part, you know, a lot of people were under the impression that the Germans wouldn't be able to reach that far in their planes. They wouldn't be able to fly that far and fly over Belfast and bomb it. But they were so wrong, yeah? Um, so what do I mean by that? Well, on the night of April 7th to 8th, 1941, Belfast suffered the first of four air attacks by the German Air Force, with at least 1,000 people being killed in the attacks as the city lay unprepared and undefended. So the Germans did attack, all right? In total, there were four attacks on, uh, on Belfast. The first uh, attack was a small attack and was likely carried out to test the city's defences. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next took place on Easter Tuesday, April 15, 1941. In this attack, 200 German bombers targeted military and manufacturing sites across the city. Some 900 people were killed and 1,500 were injured as a result of this air raid. 
Apart from London, this was the greatest loss of life in any night raid during the Blitz. The third was over the evening and morning of May 4th and May 5th. The death toll was 150. The final attack took place on May 5th and uh, to May 6th. On the night of the most fatal of the attacks, Easter Tuesday 1941, an air warden said, The sirens started at a quarter to eleven. And by 11 o'clock, my team... Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ruining it. My team was on the street that started six hours of horror, death and destruction. Um, oh my God. That's just... I'm sorry. Terrible. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Should I just stop? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, for several hours, hundreds of tons of high explosive bombs were dropped on the city. So, I mean, it's crazy to think that Germany did indeed attack this, you know, this landmass sitting quietly mm-hmm. on the edge of Europe, just, as I've said before, just trying it to It makes sense, I sandwich. suppose, considering what an industrial city Belfast was. Um, it's crazy. The amount think, of things that they were making as well for use in the war um, and textiles and things as well, you know. For sure. But it's, isn't it crazy to think <clears> that like over a thousand people were actually killed there during the Blitz? Yeah. I never really looked into it. It's obvious, like if you go, Belfast, by the way, is an amazing city to mm-hmm. go visit as a tourist. It is like really interesting, not only because of the troubles and... The, you the know Titanic. things like the murals you have the titanic um exhibition as well which is amazing mm-hmm. but yeah you have like if there's parts of the city center that are clearly quite new like newly built and obviously after the blitz after the bombing um mm-hmm. had to be completely reconstructed so like yeah it is it, it has it did take its toll and it's still noticeable today for sure it's kind you of know. crazy i just never thought about it you know and then yeah. i realized damn they got absolutely smashed into smithereens and but I suppose there, there's the context, okay, of the situation. And obviously I've said that this is going to be a heartwarming story in history. And I promise y'all I'm getting there. So I just felt that it was very necessary to, to give context, all right? So anyway, during the bombings, in the process of all this carnage and chaos and death and terror and sadness, the people of Belfast became kind of concerned about something war often forgets, which is the local zoo. And of course, I'm talking about Belfast Zoo. Um, terrified that the bombings may give way to, you know, blowing up the cages of animals that could endanger people such as, you know, tigers, polar bears, donkeys. Um, oh, I can't I make my joke now because it's so contrived. It's the first time you said when you were reading this, you said like something like lions and tigers and bears. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my I, I get it. Tigers and bears. Oh my. Okay, sorry. It's just, I can't make the joke now because it just sounds rehearsed and fake and it was ad-libbed and improvised last time. <laughs> it's ruined. My genius yeah. is ruined. <laughs> but yeah, they were really fearing, you know, it was bad enough there were bombs. Imagine, imagine, imagine survive a bomb a, and there's a tiger like around Sumatran the corner. Like tiger walking down the yeah, street. <laughs> and he just wants hungry. like he's hungry he's a northern irish tiger he's like <laughs> <laughs> whoa what was that <laughs> he's a northern irish tiger instead of saying Row, he's like <laughs> <laughs> what a northern irish dog sound like rough <laughs> rough yeah no that's oh my god it's offensive on so many levels okay i'm sorry northern ireland I'm really sorry. Um, but yeah, so they they were very nervous that these animals could get out in the loose. So sadly, um, 
I believe the royal, uh, the, the constabulary up there was ordered to exterminate some of the animals at the zoo. Oh, man. 23 in total. Uh, there was oh. a hyena. There was, oh, yeah, there no, was a tiger. You, you said no animals would die. You lied. You lied to me. You, you lied, lied to the people to listening to the podcast. <laughs> I don't know the words. <clears throat> I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize a lot, don't I? Um, but it's okay. It's okay. Something beautiful happens. You see. A hero comes Come along with the strength to carry on. Step in, Miss Denise Weston Austin. She's got a cool name. She's got a Austin. cool name. Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> She's the original Stone Cold Steve Austin. And so, who is this lady? Who is this badass? Well, Denise Weston Austin was born in 1925 in Northern Ireland and she would grow up to become a zookeeper at Belfast Zoo. In fact, she was one of the first female zookeepers there. Anyway, when the Blitz began and Denise started to witness the extermination of 23 of her beloved animals from the zoo, she decided to hatch a plan to save one of them, which was a baby elephant. Called Sheila. Oh, for the love of God! And she was an Asian elephant. That's so cute. There, I can't. I don't know why I imagine she's Australian, just because her name is Sheila. Sheila. I don't know. Remember in the last recording, I tried to do an impression of an elephant. <laughs> and it sounded like a cat. And I came out as a cat. I, was like, I literally went like, Wah. yeah, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you were like, have you ever heard an elephant before? <laughs> oh, but this little baby. Okay, oh, Sheila. So Denise couldn't stand the thought of poor baby Sheila, the calf elephant, being out. I was about to say executed. Might as well. Executed. By guillotine. Oh my <laughs> God. That was, I was imagining firing squad, but <laughs> guillotine's worse. Oh Jesus Christ. Oh God. I'm sorry. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. It's all hypothetical people. It's all imaginary. It's all in your mind. Don't paint that picture. An amazing I idea for all... a Quentin Tarantino movie, but anyway, <laughs> go on. Elephant Rebellion. <laughs> the Great Elephant Rebellion of 1942. Why are they southern? Oh, I'm sorry to everybody. We've just been here for hours and we've lost. If we're normally a little bit weird, we've just lost all sense of um, oh, we're cohesion now. And we are we're just, Yeah, we're gone. Just I'm, if I'm going down, Sheila. I'm dragging you with me. Tell, um, us, tell us about Sheila's oh, Sheila. fate. Okay, Sheila's fate. Every night during the Blitz of 1941, Denise would approach Sheila's cage at the zoo. And accompany the calf on a short walk down the road to her own house. There, Denise would hide Sheila in her backyard, <laughs> ensuring its safety and taking care of her. That's so cute. Early into the mornings, Denise would then sneak the baby calf back to the zoo and keep her there for the day, where she could keep a watchful eye on her oh, before man. sneaking the calf back to her house at night again. She did this every day and every night throughout the Blitz. Now, Sheila managed to stay hidden uh, in Denise's backyard uh, due to the high walls in the yard. Yeah, I was going to say that. How the hell do you hide an elephant? <laughs> like, how do you hide an elephant? These I... are the thoughts that keep you up at night as well as, you know, do penguins have knees? Oh, yes, they do. They do have knees. They do. We concluded that. How could I hide a baby elephant in my house? Yeah, I mean, like, bringing her into her back, I assume she lives 
on the street if yeah. she's living in the city. Mm-hmm. So how does she actually get her into her back garden? Is there like a side alley? There's probably a side And a gate that she has to bring her through maybe? Surely. Well, there were very high walls outside She's not going to be bringing her through her house like. <laughs> it's knocking over the fine china. <laughs> like Sheila, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her accents really need work. <laughs> so she kept Sheila safe throughout the ordeal, right? And just to let y'all know, Sheila would live a long and healthy, happy life well into the 1960s. Aww. And Denise also lived a long and healthy life and she passed away in 1997. Aww, go on, Denise. Go on, girl. Ledge. Go on. But the thing is, nobody knew about her or who she was for quite some time because she had never been caught, really, bringing the elephant all over the place. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how, but... It, it wasn't until archived images of a woman sitting in her backyard with a baby elephant were discovered in the archives of Belfast Zoo. So grainy black and white pictures showed a pair of women with a young elephant. The location was not the zoo, but the backyard of a typical Belfast house during <laughs> World War Two. Oh, that's so cute. The elephant looked to be enjoying a drink from a tin bucket oh. at the back door of this house. And to mark Belfast Zoo's 75th birthday in 2009, the hunt began for the Elephant Angel, which Denise Aww, would become known imagine as. imagine that being your moniker. That's so cute. I am the Elephant Angel. Imagine being a German bomber coming in and you're just looking down over the city and you're like, what the fritz is that? <laughs> <laughs> is that an elephant? <laughs> oh, Ireland has elephants, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in 2009... With help from the public and local media, Belfast Zoo identified the mysterious woman, uh, or mysterious woman, I was going to say. <laughs> mysterious woman. <laughs> mysterious girl. Um, in the photographs as Denise Weston Austin. This was Northern, or, or, the, sorry, this was North Belfast Elephant Angel who brought Sheila the Elephant back to her home for safekeeping. And the older woman that's pictured uh, in the pictures uh, was Irene Beatrice Mary Austin, who was Denise's mother. Belfast solicitor David Ramsey, a second cousin of Denise Austin, provided the zoo with more details on the unusual story. His cousin was an eccentric woman who lived in an exotic red brick house at 278 Whitewell Road, Belfast. I have never heard a red brick house being described as exotic before. Maybe she had like flamingos. And yeah, or parrots or something. Or, yeah, you know, maybe. Maybe it was like... I just imagine you walk past the house and just steel drums start playing. Like, do, 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 and then you keep going and it's just normal. And then you go back again. She seems like a legend. She does. She seems she like does. a really cool person. But the thing is, back in the day, uh, Belfast Zoo's head zookeeper was a man by the name of Dick Foster. While normally a meticulous man, it seems he was unaware of Sheila's... You just made yourself laugh. <laughs> I'd like to point out, <laughs> listeners, I'm stony-faced because I am mature. <laughs> she made herself laugh. <laughs> Why didn't I just call him Richard We're not even Foster looking at each other. <laughs> like, because my mic is facing a different direction. So we're like, Abba right now. I'm just staring like, straight ahead. And I could hear your voice breaking. And the first time we did it, neither Nothing of us, happened. We there was good. no reaction. I was good. And I remember thinking how, how did I mature. I was yeah. like, wow, okay, that's pretty mature. <laughs> I'm sorry. So Dick Foster was the zookeeper. Go on. And it would have seemed that he was unaware of Sheila's forays into Northern Belfast. However, he was used to the sight of Denise walking around the zoo with Sheila and Toe. The two would walk across nearby farmland for exercise. That's so cute. It was just so cute. And eventually Foster became more accustomed to seeing Sheila the elephant outside of her cage rather than in it. 
after he left work each day, that's when Denise would walk Sheila the elephant from her her gaff to her own gaff. That is brilliant. Yeah. So each morning then, of course, Sheila and uh, Denise would return uh, while stopping at throne stores on the Whitewell Road for stale bread, as you do. So by night, you know, <laughs> Sheila slept in Austin's garage and ate hay from the family farm outside Belfast. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. So cute. And it should go without saying that during times of rationing, this was a better quality meal than the zoo could have provided. So staff at Belfast Zoo only became aware of Sheila's second home when she chased a dog through a fence into a neighbour's garden. Do <laughs> <laughs> you imagine just an elephant bursting imagine into your Imagine going in and telling your mom that you saw that. You'd be like, Mommy! <laughs> <laughs> You stop that line now. <laughs> you stop but mama <laughs> I promise mama Okay. <laughs> wasted, I'm telling you. I am wasted. Oh my gosh. Just Oh jeez. Like and like and could you imagine you wouldn't believe your child. I don't care what any No, you, you wouldn't. You would yeah. not believe the your child. dog Rover was just chased by <laughs> Nelly the elephant there. I don't know. I, I thought the dog would be called Fido. But okay. <laughs> Fido. Fido. Um but yeah, basically this this neighbour sought compensation, you know, from the zoo for their broken fence. Fair, fair. And they reported the event to Dick Foster. After months spent with the Austins, Sheila the Elephant returned to life at Belfast Zoo. Oh, I love Sheila. <laughs> and Dick Foster sought it as by personally padlocking her cage. Oh no. What a Richard. In May 1941, uh, the Germans once again attacked Belfast and Denise visited Belfast Zoo, spending time with Sheila... Rubbing the young elephant's ears to keep her calm. Oh, for God's mm-hmm. sake. Both would survive the bombs and live long after the end of World War II. And that, um, just to mention, the tale of Sheila the Elephant and her keeper captured the public's imagination. It received mentions on the BBC and other media. Since then, it has inspired theatre shows, an opera, a feature film. And it is the inspiration behind Michael Murpogo's book, An Elephant in the Garden. I love Michael Murpogo. Imagine starring Meryl Streep as Sheila the Elephant. (laughs) That woman is versatile. I'm telling you, she could play anything. Shout out. <laughs> um, and that's, that's, that that's the story. It's a story of one woman and her elephant friend. And was, they find each other and save each other in very every way. That, that would make an amazing like movie. And I bought it before you said Michael Marpurgo wrote a book. I was like, this There's has Michael Marpurgo written all over it. Mm-hmm. True story. Um, amazing. True story, Fascinating. Huh? You know that um, Dublin was also bombed uh, in May 1941? It was. By the more. Germans. Uh, it was more, more than likely... More. An accident. Did we bombs it, Dublin. Um, it was more than likely an accident. Twenty eight people were killed. I mean, it was oh it was um, it was pretty accident. terrible. Yeah. Um, Devilair made a very famous speech after the Belfast bombing. Or their their what's it called? It's like they're one of us speech or something, or they're all mm. us or something. Speech. Um, it's shocking, isn't it? Just yeah, it's 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 quite recent as well, which is you know it's it's well we talk about the nineteen sixties as if the, you know like the, it's a long time ago, but people have to remember this was the, only twenty years prior. I think when you see the architecture in mm. city centres that suffered during the Blitz and mm. suffered during bombings, you can see how new some of the buildings are because of it, and that kind of harms at home. That mm-hmm. it's very recent. I love Sheila the Elephant. And, Sheila um, the Elephant. Pack the trunk. Oh, God. My sister was obsessed with Nelly the Elephant. We actually had a Nelly the Elephant teddy when we were young. Elephants oh. are adorable. I will. Put Do that. you remember Barbara? 
I have no idea. It's, it's um, a cartoon, and it was about an elephant, and he his mom was killed or something, and then he oh, became for a king. Sake. He became a king, and he was this elephant. I'll show you after. I'm gonna. Okay, I'll I'll Barbar. definitely look that up. You definitely like remember Bambi, it. but with elephants. I'll send it on to you. Um, I loved that. I am so glad that had a happy ending. It did, didn't it? She was dead. <laughs> I would have just been like, no. Sure, I'm not. Sure I would have just, you would have just <laughs> heard me packing up and leaving, even though it's my house. <laughs> it'd, it'd just, just be me and the mic the door. and yeah. all the baby animals. Just couldn't be dealing with it at all. Um, okay. Fair, Imagine her. Fair her dinkum Sheila. Imagine the elephant smoke shot just facing just forward. Just holding the thing. Why would she be? What crimes is she being charged with? What, what, just leave being Sheila cute. alone, okay? Yeah, like, she didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, okay, that was great. There was a. There was a really, f- oh, in the last thing, because we didn't say it on this and I thought it was um, interesting and I think listeners would have liked it. We were talking about the origins of Fee's name because Fee's name is Fanula in hey. Irish. And one of the girls that we were spending time with last night, who was so lovely, is called Aoife. And then we made the connection that <clears throat> in Irish mythology, there's a story called the Children of Lear. Mm. And in the Children of Lear, um, there are four children of mm. Lear um, called... Con, Con, Fiacra, A and Fanula. And um, their mom dies and the, doesn't he remarry? King um, remarries a lady. A lady and her name is Aoife, but she turns out to be really jealous of the children. Mm-hmm. It's kind of your classic kind of Cinderella story, isn't it? And yeah. then she turns them into swans. She turns them into swans. Them. And they spend 300 years at three different locations around Ireland. And some of those locations are horrible and it's mm-hmm. all very sad. Um, but Aoife is like, I was saying that, yeah, because you met an Eva last night who, it, like, and myth- we're both mythologically speaking, is your arch nemesis. I know, and we're both um, Fifi for short, apparently. Um, so, yeah, that was the origin of Fanula's name, a my, swan. My mum used to tell me I was a swan. She'd oh, point just, at swans and say, that's you. I just love this. I am. We, we were imagining if the swan was like, help me. <laughs> it's been 500 years. <laughs> Only I could understand it like Harry Potter understands snakes, you know. The swan is just like, just help. I have a um, confession to make. What? I understand swans. Imagine. Oh my God. They're vicious. That would be a really good prank to play and somebody just like attach a recorder to a swan just voice like, help. <laughs> help me. I'm trapped. Okay, so <laughs> just, that's really dark. Um, okay, my one is not related to yours in the slightest. <laughs> I was going to be like, my one is similar. No, it's not. Um, I want to do Henry VIII. Um, it's one of my favourite periods of history, the Tudor era. Um, it's, yeah, he is just, he was just, I called him the OG Chad in the last episode. Mm-hmm. He's like the quarterback. I'm going to talk about his succession of cheerleaders. Oh. Um, Some of them had pretty miserable fates and some of them got off pretty, pretty easily or pretty lucky. Um, okay, put him into context. He's born in 1491 to Henry VII. We touched on Henry VII in my incredibly long description <laughs> of the War of the Roses. It just went on and on. We aged while that episode it was just like clouds moving quickly in the background. <laughs> Suns rising up and down. Yeah, it was, whoa, it was a my long episode. My hair going grey. Um, and his mom was Elizabeth of York. He had, uh, very, very importantly, he had an older brother called Arthur, an older sister, Margaret, and a younger sister, Mary Tudor. Mary Tudor will later go on to be Queen Consort of France, famously. Um, He had lots of other siblings, but they very commonly at the time, they either died in childbirth or um, died very, very young. Um, Arthur, his older brother, was obviously next in line to the throne. Mm -hmm. So Henry was never supposed to be king. Um, But... uh, 
we know that he did become king and we know Arthur didn't. So what happened? Well, in 1501, Arthur married Catherine of Aragon. Catherine of Aragon is from an incredibly powerful, influential family in Europe. King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella of Spain are her parents. Um, Arthur was 15 years old getting married and she was 16. Okay. Henry was just 10 years of age when he watched his brother get married to Catherine. Now, sadly, in 1502, Arthur died, possibly of something called sweating sickness. Um, I think back then people just got sick and died. Like, all the time, constantly. Yeah, I think, I mean, um, he probably didn't get a lot of vitamin D. Well, there was th- there was lots of things. Yeah, there was lack of vitamin C because they didn't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables. So a lot of them died of scurvy. It's actually believed Henry VIII developed scurvy at points during his life. Scurvy so, is related to skin, right? Scurvy is like your gums and your... It's a lack of vitamin C. I know sometimes because I get mouth ulcers that if I'm not having oh, enough vitamin C... Suck. I'm like, I need more vitamin C in my diet. So you can imagine back then. Um... Okay, so he, Henry then succeeds his deceased brother as heir to the English crown. Now, so before, his dad is very shrewd. He's very shrewd. He's very aware of the importance of diplomacy. So wishing to maintain strong diplomatic ties with Spain, Henry VII is keen for his son to marry Arthur's widow, Catherine, which is not weird or awkward at at all. all. (laughs) At all. Um, In 1503, a marriage treaty was drawn up. And they were officially betrothed to one another. Affianced. Okay. But there's, he just did the thing. He just flopped down. Oh, we're watching the bunny in the background. Yeah. Buttercup does this thing where when he go, wants to go to sleep, my bunny, he's very dramatic and he just kind of flops on the ground. Or else he's really bored and he's like, oh, we know. He's my everything. Yeah, he is adorable. He's, too, he's almost too cute. It's like. He has my heart. Yeah, I know. Okay. <clears throat> now, um, there's a few issues with the betrothed, the, betroth- the relationship between um, Henry and Catherine. Um, first, Henry VII and Ferdinand, their relationship deteriorated. So Henry VII, he's not so sure anymore about Catherine of Aragon. Henry turned, uh, teenage Henry, he turned 14. He went into kind of peak teenage rebellion mm-hmm. and he was like, I don't want to marry Catherine. Ew, um, ew. Yeah, like I want to I want to just do my own thing. I want to be a Chad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Catherine stayed in England. Her father was quite, he was shrewd. So he basically said, just stick around, just hang around and eventually we'll wear him down. So he made her actually, he made her the um, Spanish ambassador to England and hoping that Henry eventually would change his mind. Catherine believed it was kind of like, she was very, very religious. It's a very devout Catholic. And she believed like, God wants me to marry Henry. And yeah, probably kept saying that. Which isn't creepy at all. Imagine just like across the, just like, God wants me to. Her, like she's standing outside Henry's window at night, yeah. has a boombox over just her like head. Jesus just is watching. Some, like proper Christian jams, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus, <laughs> take the wheel. Okay. I actually love that song. It's a great jam. In 1509, Henry VII dies and Henry succeeds him as King of England, as King Henry VIII. So he does decide actually to marry Catherine. Um, <laughs> his reasoning for this... He knows that being married is going to strengthen the the crown. Catherine is there. He's like, eh, I might as well. And he kind of said, look, my dad really wanted this. So, yeah. yeah. He's honouring his daddy. Yeah. Now, she, she, he is 17 and she is 23. So she's older than him. The age difference is going to matter later on in their Especially marriage. Especially going out into the nightclubs. Yeah. Yeah, she would have been able to get into some like over 21's places. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Woohoo. So the marriage is initially happy. And... um. 
even historians described it even as unusually happy. They really got along together. Now over the years, it does deteriorate to say the least. Catherine sadly suffered many miscarriages and stillborn births. Now they did have a son called Henry, but he died at seven weeks old in 1511. Mm. Their only surviving child, Mary, was born in February 1516. We know that Mary will go on later to be Queen of England, Mary I. Okay. Now, but Henry wanted a male heir. And we know this. We know that he was really fixated on having a male heir. But why? Why was he so obsessed with this? Why did he let this basically consume all of his relationships? Well, because Henry uh, was only the second king of the Tudor dynasty. So his father had been the first Tudor king, Henry VII. Uh, when I did my <laughs> epic War of the Roses episode, we saw how unstable the monarchy had been during the War of the Roses. So like just really, really unstable. We were hopping from one king to the other. So he believed that a female monarch would not bring the strength and stability to the throne that was needed to just keep the, you know, the time peaceful and strong. So... Um, he just, he wanted a male heir. Now, Henry did have mistresses, as was a very common practice in Europe, among Europe, uh, European royalty at the time. The most famous uh, of his mistresses were Elizabeth Bessie Blount. Now, he did have a son with Bessie. So he had a son in 1519 called Henry Fitzroy. Uh, in French, Fitzroy literally translates to son of the king. We were saying earlier that, like, you just couldn't deny... <laughs> fatherhood he's called henry son of the king so like imagine she's like it's your kid and he's like that could be any king (laughs) (laughs) um so henry fitzroy of course is considered illegitimate but he is the only illegitimate child that henry does acknowledge it is thought that he might have legitimized henry fitzroy's claim to the throne he never does and henry dies at age 17 in 1536 okay now he also had an affair very famously with mary boleyn mary boleyn of course is sister of his future wife anne boleyn now which is chronicled in that terrible terrible film the other boleyn girl but it's a little bit saucy if you want to watch it um i think scarlett johansson and is it natalie portman play them yeah. Probably. There's a lot of very good looking people in the mm. movie. They're all apparently very it's good looking. Very, very smutty. Yeah. Well, um, Anne Boleyn was known to be pretty, but Mary Boleyn was considered the more attractive sister. So you might wonder, well, why was he so, why did he become so um, consumed with feelings for Anne and not Mary? Well, Mary nor Bessie, while they were um, acknowledged as his mistresses, they were never offered the official title of maîtresse en titre. Um, which is basically the official mistress title. It means like to be like the royal mistress. And it was common practice in France. So if the king of France had a mistress, he actually gave her a title. She was recognized by people in court, even by the queen, even by, it wasn't like a clandestine affair. People knew about it. She was given things like her own apartments. She was given, um, she was given like lots of things. Gifts were bestowed on her, but he didn't offer that title to, um, to, uh, Bessie or to Mary. He did, however, offer that to Anne Boleyn when he was trying to woo her. But we know that she didn't think it was good enough. She was not having it. She basically was like, marry me. And I sang Beyonce the last time. I was like, if you like it, then you need to put a ring on it. <laughs> but I can't do it again because yeah. it's contrived Joke now. is gone. I've just ruined it. We could sing another song. Uh, 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 
Okay. So a lot of the women he has affairs with, um, this is interesting, like essentially because he, we know he gets married six times, he has affairs as well. So he has lots of mistresses. They're nearly all ladies in waiting to the previous woman. So Mary Boleyn, for example, was lady in waiting to Catherine of Aragon. Mm-hmm. Anne Boleyn was Catherine's maid of honour. Now, maid of honour in this instance does not mean what it means contemporaneously, which is, you know, being somebody's like chief um, uh, bridesmaid whatever, at a yeah. wedding. Back then it meant you were like their main lady in waiting. So a lady in waiting was essentially an assistant to the queen. You looked after like she, her ladies in waiting would have helped her get dressed in the morning. Mm. They would have helped her with like day to day chores. <laughs> you were like, oh, um, so uh, he, what was I saying there? Anne Boleyn was Catherine's, yeah, okay. Uh, Jane Seymour was it Anne, and so on. Catherine Howard was Anne of Cleves, and so on. So it just, it it looked like whenever he had somebody, he was looking at her ladies and waiting, being like, oh, you're waiting, waiting for me. Um, okay, That's so. Crazy. it's There's no son, and Catherine is getting old. So she's 40 years old when he's 36. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, she's, pushing on back back then that would have been considered oh she old (laughs) and uh he she's not bearing him um children she hasn't had the son that he so so wants so he turns his attention to one of her ladies in waiting Anne Boleyn okay now he's already had an affair with her sister which again not at all awkward or uncomfortable Mm -hmm. but she won't settle for a royal mistress She's not having it. She's spurning his advances. Mm-hmm. She's like, uh-uh-uh. So what are his options if he wants a male heir? They're, they're fairly thin on the ground. He can marry off his daughter Mary and hope for a grandson. Henry Chances Jr. of that are very, very slim. He can legitimize Henry Fitzroy. Doesn't really want to do that. Or <laughs> he can Henry marry Fitzroy. Anne, who he is smitten with, and he can have a son. The issue is Henry at this time is a devout Catholic. Now he can seek an annulment and annulments were granted by the Pope. But there's a few issues here why he can't be granted an annulment. Now he he had been granted the title by the Catholic Church, Fidei Defensor, which is Defender of the Faith from Pope Leo X. Because he'd published a very famous book called Assertio Septum Sacramentorum, which means defense of the seven sacraments. He was very well educated. It's worth pointing this out that Henry was a very devout Catholic. He'd been brought up in the Catholic faith. He spoke fluent Latin. He could write in Latin, um, I think French as well, and some Italian. He was really well educated and he'd written this and it was an incredibly popular book. And the Catholic Church had obviously loved it. But he really, really wants to marry Anne Boleyn. Um, He has convinced himself that his failure to have a son with Catherine is a punishment from God for marrying her in the first place. And that becomes his reasoning for wanting an annulment. Okay, that essentially the legal term here is that he had an affinity with Catherine. What does that mean? That by marrying her because she was the widow of his brother, And she'd had, he believed, had had relations with his brother, even though she actually denied that they ever consummated the relationship. Uh Um, That they were essentially brother and sister. And he's saying, I I basically married my sister and I probably shouldn't have done that. It's about 20 something years later and he's suddenly like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Um, So he wants the uh, Pope, the Pope at the time is Pope Clement VII, to grant an annulment. An annulment, of course, is different from a divorce because an annulment stipulates that, well, the marriage should never have taken place in the first place. Whereas a divorce is, I acknowledge the marriage took place, I want to end it. Um, now, so 
and you would think, oh, why didn't the Pope just grant the annulment? Wouldn't it have saved a lot of uh, a lot of bother in the long run? Well, one of the major issues here is that Catherine's family are an incredibly powerful Catholic family in Spain. And her nephew just happens to be Charles V, who is mm. the Holy Roman Emperor. So her family wields a great deal of influence in Europe and the Pope does not want to annoy them. Um, because of course this is humiliating for Catherine. Along comes this little floozy stealing her husband. <laughs> okay, so Henry is pretty stuck here. But being Henry, we know that he is, um, you know, pretty stubborn. He decides to marry Anne anyway. So he marries her in 1532. He has Thomas Cranmer. Thomas Cranmer is the new Archbishop of Canterbury, who is loyal to Henry. He declares his marriage to Catherine null and void and his marriage to Anne valid. In 1534, wow. he passes very famously the Act of Supremacy. It makes Henry the head of the church in England. So he's basically like, he's God. He's like, no, Pope, you go away. You go away, I'm Popey. finished with you and I'm now the head of the church and I can do what I want. Whatever, I rules. do what I want. Now, poor Catherine is just like shunted off after 20 something years of being married <laughs> to Henry. She's given um, land and she's told basically go away. Her chambers, everything she has is given to Anne. Can you imagine the humiliation of oh, that? stop having the, like all your favourite posters. You'd just be, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Like Anne just wearing her clothes and like, oh, oh my God. You'd be like, oh. Now, in 1533, he has a daughter with Anne Boleyn famously Elizabeth who will go on to be Elizabeth I of England now he already has remember um, an illegitimate son Henry Fitzroy who will only live for another three years after Elizabeth is born oh. he has uh, Mary with Catherine of Aragon and now he has Elizabeth but all is not rosy with Anne Boleyn oh, if I you're like expecting this to oh yeah well, rosy more like roses. <laughs> um, if you're expecting his marriage well you weren't because most people know that she loses her head um, the issue is Anne is not submissive and obedient like Henry expects a royal wife to be. So these traits had made her an attractive kind of forbidden romance when he was mm. married and he was wooing her. So she was kind of, you know, playing hard to get. She was being feisty. She was just being really cool. But her feisty attitude and her kind of temper and her just her, she's just fiery. They're considered ill suited to the role of a queen consort you know, where Catherine had been submissive and obedient. Mm -hmm. Anne is absolutely not. And Anne's very larger than life personality has made her many enemies in his privy council, particularly Thomas Cromwell, who is Henry's chief minister and very influential. So as well as this, Henry had a new mistress. Yeah, he did. Oh my God, the guy is busy. Mm -hmm. So Jane Seymour. Now, Anne, unfortunately, was suffering miscarriages. Um, she's Once more, she's not producing the male heir that he is so desperately craving at this point. He's getting a little bit, you know, impatient. So he decides he needs rid of her. Um, how? So basically, uh, they between himself and Cromwell, um, they throw together all kinds of accusations against her and charge her with um, kind of ridiculous things. It's like, actually horrific, isn't it? Yeah. So like, um, you know, she's some people accuse her of witchcraft. The most shocking thing she's accused of is an incestuous relationship with her brother, George <laughs> Boleyn, um, and is convicted of treason. She's executed on Tower Green on the 19th of May, 1536, the day after her brother George is executed. She actually has to listen to her brother George being executed, knowing that her execution is following the next day, which is, 
you know it's just and so and and specifically i said this in the episode where i talked about executions but she specifically requests um a french style execution so the executioner is actually brought in from france um to execute her with a sword as opposed to an axe and um she's executed her final kind of words are very very um they're very humble mm. they're very kind of um oh, what's the word i'm looking for dignified uh, they're dignified thank you that's exactly the word they do good they do good they're very very dignified and a lot of people would question why that is when she's obviously very feisty she's well capable of you know standing up for herself she's been accused of things she absolutely hasn't done but because you wanted to protect your family you wanted to ensure that you know your family aren't hurt yeah. so if you gave this last speech where you're basically like screw you henry <laughs> um <laughs> he could hurt your family and you don't want that okay yeah, fair play to her. yeah so the day after her execution the day after her execution <laughs> he becomes engaged to jane seymour okay imagine cycle. he's just there like squeezing the ring off Anne's finger like, as she lies <laughs> Pulling it off. after her head's been cut off like, he's like oh, isn't that so sadistic though it's, it's almost sociopathological like. yeah it is you know what it's, I mean it's, that, it's, to lack that much empathy it's cold it's, so it's very very cold mm. uh, he marries Jane 10 days later so he is 45 why did she say yes could she not see the situation I know she's like, already having an affair with him Jane Jane, yeah. Jane is cold yo in October 1537 Jane gives birth to a boy Ooh. Edward finally finally the rock okay <laughs> um now he will of course go on to be edward the sixth of england we know that he will die at the age of 15 he dies very very young um jane died days after giving birth she had a very difficult childbirth she got an infection she died um she, now it's it's strange because Henry, he is upset at her death. He's very happy that he's had a son. Mm-hmm. He is upset at her death. He doesn't marry for a little while longer. Mm-hmm. Um, he waits a couple of years by the time he marries next. But he is pretty Finds much himself. looking ne- pretty much like next. He, straight away, he's looking for a new wife. It's funny because he kind of retrospectively or retroactively becomes mourns Jane more and more as he gets older he kind of idealizes her as his perfect wife as the wife that because she gave him the son mm-hmm. so she's the wife who's chosen to be buried she he he's buried next to to Jane okay now he did move on though <laughs> he uh he mourned her for a while and then he was like eh. so he sought a new wife this time from the continent so kind of a strategic match here and Cromwell his chief minister suggests Anne of Cleves She's sister of the Duke of Cleves, so a strategic marriage. She's 25 years of age and she's rumoured to be quite the beauty. So um, Henry's like, okay, I want to see what she looks like. But, you know, like I said the last time, there's no Instagram to creep. Mm -hmm. There's no Facebook to creep. Mm -mm. So he's like, how do I find out what she looks like? So he's like, hey, Hans Holbein. Hans Holbein is the very famous portrait drawer in Europe at the time, painter. He is Hans Hans Holbein the Younger. He's dispatched to Germany to paint her portrait. And he comes back and Henry's like, I like it. <laughs> I like mm-hmm. what I see. Now we can put it up on the Instagram. Um, She basically, uh, Henry really liked it. She's brought to England to marry him. Henry is now 49 years of age, but disaster Mm. because Henry meets Anne and he says she looks like a horse. Oh, God. He does not take to her at all. Okay. He's just not attracted to her. Like, why lie to him through painting? You know, Hans. Well, that's the thing. Did he? I always use this as an example. My students, we talk about accuracy and Mm. like, did he 
was he flattering towards her did he paint her because he thought she was beautiful but mm-hmm. like beauty is very much in the eye of the beholder mm-hmm. so um i also urge you to watch the scene in the tutors jonathan reese myers <laughs> shouting she looks like a horse is just one of the best moments of the entire tutors now <laughs> Henry's in an awkward situation because he has to marry her. She comes over, he really doesn't want to marry her. He gets really angry. But the wedding's already planned. She has arrived in England, the full knowledge that she's getting married to Henry VIII, mm-hmm. to the king. Mm-hmm. So he's like, what the hell am I going to do? So he has to marry her. And I said it earlier, he, he can't be like, listen, I'm so sorry, Anne. This is super awkward. But like, I've got so much. He's like, oh, my, my, uh, I have to go. My, 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 my mom's sick there. He's yeah, like, I'll, I've I'll just be back like in 10 years. Got bye. so many things going on right now. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. such that. He's like, I checked our star signs. They're not really compatible. Ghosting um, her. <laughs> yeah, he just completely ghosts her, imagine. Um, so he did marry her but he has the marriage immediately annulled because he's just like he does not consummate the marriage with her um and he does that on the grounds that the marriage was never consummated which Anne confirms and she's like okay oh, that's fine she's like just don't kill me bitter danke danke schon henry um so the marriage was subsequently dissolved and received the title of ouch the king's sister Two houses and she got a gener- generous allowance. He was good to Anne of Cleves and he actually quite liked her. He just not not as a as a friend. He's like, yeah, over there. Friends. Yeah, just over as there. A friend yeah. and Giving her the title the king's sister though, like friend zoned. I'd rather be friend zoned than killed though. Yeah, because Cromwell is actually beheaded. Oh God, for yeah. his part. Because in... he's like, well, some people say no, but I mean, to me, it's just the timing of it all. Like that he's just like, we, I, I we said this we earlier would. this would be like if you set me up on a blind date with a guy <laughs> and I came back and I just like punched you in the just face just look at me I, don't I can't th- say it out loud but look at me yeah <laughs> I don't think that I would behead you but I would certainly kick you in the shin maybe if I was wearing pointy shoes I would I would I'm sorry I know that's violence I don't often choose violence but in this instance we I think it would be after this. I think it would be merited yeah we'll have a we conversation a we'll have our, our mm. chat circle mm. okay <clears throat> now Henry already has his eyes on a new lady of course he does and this is Catherine Howard now Catherine Howard's only 19 and he's 49 can you say ew ew okay in 1540 he marries her and he's smitten with her like he is absolutely in love she's beautiful she's very beautiful she is if you look at their portraits I was of course I was being shallow earlier and I was like who's the prettiest yeah who's the prettiest one and um, she's she's up there she's certainly up there now if Henry is smitten with you though it's not a good thing because it it didn't the last woman he was particularly smitten with mm-hmm. was Anne Boleyn we know what happened to her dead shing dead gone yeah shing um, now the thing about Catherine Howard is Catherine Howard made the fatal mistake of having extramarital affairs naughty naughty Catherine you so dog you dog she a dog she's a dog so most notably with somebody called Thomas Culpepper and another guy called Francis Derham so what happens is that Henry is goes away Francis Derham is visiting her in her chambers mm. Um, apparently the visits of men that were not her husband were facilitated by Jane Boleyn, widow of George, <gasps> brother of Anne. Oh my. That was probably her way of getting like some bit of revenge. Surely. Oh, yeah. Come on. Like, I mean, it's incredible drama. She's like, incredible. I'm going to cuckold you. I'm going to make you a cuckold, Henry. It's like. <laughs> 
Um, so poor and initially he doesn't want to believe it Henry because he's actually really in love with her and he's mm. like I don't want to believe this um, so right. they bring Francis Derham uh, forward and Francis actually confesses to it and not only does he confess it but he's like Thomas Culpepper's having an affair with her too <laughs> <laughs> and um, Wait, do, they, do they get killed? Yeah, so they're both executed. Wow. Uh, Thomas Culpepper's like, dude, <laughs> bro. Um, snitched you. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I'll never forget it. If he's a snitch, just for anyone who's listening hey. to this. Yeah. Snitches get like stitches. Five. Or in this instance, snitches get beheaded. Okay. <laughs> now, so uh, poor <laughs> Catherine is beheaded in 1542. She's only 21 years old when she, when she loses her life, which is very sad. And she's a very interesting character to read on. So if you want to do further research there, so I mean, there's brilliant, you know, you've got your Alison Weir, you've got loads of people who've written fantastically about the Tudors. Catherine Howard to me is one of the more interesting ones because... There's still to this day, there's really contentious kind of historiography around her. A lot of it is grounded in kind of misogyny because she, Catherine Howard, like there's two kind of ways of looking at it. Some people feel that she was kind of tricked. She was really naive. She was a bit silly. She was gullible. She was, I mean, to have extramarital affairs. She was like Lydia in um, Pride and Prejudice or something. Yes. Yes. Frivolous. She's, uh, yes. She, she, and you, that's she's exactly. She's a young girl. She's, she's kind of, she's silly. She's, she's portrayed as kind of flirtatious. And Thomas Culpepper is, is handsome. You know, she's, she's married handsome. to, Henry's 49. She's only 19 years of age yeah. and she marries him. Um, so lots of people see her as just naive, that that's the worst thing that she is, is naive. Mm-hmm. Some people go so far as to say, though, that she was blackmailed by some of these men, um, that she'd had as a teenager that she was having um, flings. Now, mm. in today's society, that would be seen as kind of grooming or yeah, even yeah. pedophilia. Like we'd be really disgusted by it. So we'd feel very her. sorry for her. This is exactly it. But in some um historical kind of um accounts of her she's portrayed as this like vixen this um she's even called by some historians like one historian i can't remember the name of the historian i read this day called her like a whore and i was a bit like jeez dude like chill um so they're they're the kind of two narratives on her that she's this young innocent victim or she's this like vixen who like broke henry's heart you know either way i think you'd look at her as being a little bit naive that the the um the affair is ultimately led to the last for life and you couldn't really see that going any other way considering mm-hmm. um that that would be seen as treason of course at the time okay henry's last wife is catherine parr so another third catherine um he marries catherine in 1543 she's 31 he's 51 52 at this stage so she's a little bit older than his previous uh wives and Catherine Parr is the wife who outlives him. So yeah. the divorce beheaded died, divorce beheaded. She's the survived. She's a survivor. She's a survivor. Yeah. She's um, gonna live in her castle and fake it. Okay. So she she outlives him. Parr is famous because she helped reconcile Henry with his daughters, Mary and Elizabeth. Oh, okay. She is the uh, one of the brains behind the Third Succession Act passed in 1543, which puts Mary and Elizabeth back in the line of succession following Edward. So while they're older than him, they're still behind him in the line of succession. Mm. So if anything is to happen to Edward, Mary will be queen. If anything is to happen to Mary, Elizabeth will be queen. That's exactly what happens as well. Um, Now, the end of Henry's life. Well, we know he had a bad jousting accident in 1536. A very bad jousting accident. Um, He's married to Anne Boleyn at the time. Anne Boleyn is pregnant. 
And when she hears about the jousting accident, she goes into a state of shock and it causes her very sadly to miscarry. Terrible. On the day that she miscarries, it's the same day as Catherine of Aragon's funeral. So it was a really sad week. Um, in the, the news of the world. In the Tudor Catherine. household. Can you imagine Kay Burley on Sky News that week? God. Oh my God. Just shaving off her head. She'd just be stress. going crazy. Yeah. Um, so in 1536, uh, he has that accident. It does. It changes him completely. Like before that, he was seen as a really, really handsome, um, athletic kind of ruler. He was really, really popular. Mm. The accident changes him. Lots of historians say that it, he, it, it had some kind of, that he possibly had a head injury that caused him to become extremely temperamental. But besides that, he became morbidly obese. Yeah. He became so obese by the end of his life that he used mechanical devices to move around. Like he could barely move. He developed things like gout. Yeah. He had ulcers. He had pus fills, like Ugh. ulcers all over his body. Um, yeah. So he dies in 1547 at age 55. Not dying in the best of shape. No, certainly not. Um, historian David Starkey writes this about him and his wives. I don't fully agree with this. I'm going to read it out. David Starkey's not my favourite person in the whole world, but he is a very good historian. Um, he says, what is extraordinary is that Henry was usually a very good husband and he liked women. That's why he married so many of them. Her, her, her. He was very tender to them. We know that he addressed them as sweetheart. He was a good lover. He was very generous. Okay, we said earlier we don't know how David Starkey knows that. Time travel. And we're not going to question it. Yeah, imagine time traveling. Um, The wives were given huge settlements of land and jewels. They were loaded with jewels. He was immensely considerate when they were pregnant. But once he had fallen out of love, he just cut them off. He just withdrew. He abandoned them. They didn't even know he'd left them. So he ghosted them, basically. Now, the thing that David Starkey, that he was usually a very good husband. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean... Yeah. I mean, mean, his definition of a very good husband is somewhat troubling to me. Yeah. But I guess you'd say contemporary, like of the time that, yes, he probably was considered because affairs and all of that would have been widely acceptable at the time. So that's not really a huge issue. Um, The beheading, two of his wives probably doesn't sit very well with me. No. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just think it is a really, really fascinating drama filled time in history For we sure. said this earlier episode of jerry springer or jeremy <laughs> kyle if ever i saw it. jeremy kyle actually would be even better <laughs> yeah jeremy kyle. so Look you have all. you have and no no Catherine's on stage first right mm-hmm. and then henry comes out and he's all being all loving and he takes like a lie detector test <laughs> and about amberlyn amberlyn comes out and she's claiming that she has slept with him and then Jer- jeremy's like have you ever had relations with and he's like the lie detector indicates that you have been lying and then Catherine goes insane and like storms off the stage and then and then Anne is like (laughs) fine oh but then then Jane Seymour comes out yeah and Jane is like has had Edward the baby and then there's the 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 paternity test and he's like you are the father like look at her and then Anne and him have this big scrap and then, and then Jane like falls over and dies. Get bouncers, gotta yeah. get the bouncers. And then you have um, Anna Fleeves coming out, and Henry's like, oh no, not really my type. Yeah. And then you have Catherine Howard coming out, and she's giggling and she's like flirting with um, what's your man's name? What's the bodyguard on on Jeremy Coyle? Oh, I don't know him, but I know Steve. From yeah, Jerry we'll just Springer. say it's Steve from Jerry Springer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it would be intense. it would be an amazing episode, oh, Jeremy Coyle. Create something like that. They, they really showed a historical. Yeah, it would actually be historical very historical Jeremy Coyle. Yeah, Jeremy Kyleth. Yeah, yeah. My God, what a messed up story, though. 
so sticky and yeah. icky. It's just it's just married in like it's misogyny, bleh. and we look at it today, and it's it's sad. But it's messed up. we do often like when we do this in in um, history in school, it comes up. It, used, it comes up under the junior cert under the Reformation. That like yeah, it's it's always a thing of interest to students. It's not really on the course. You would do the Reformation, so you're not talking about the latter marriages because they don't really matter. But just for the sheer drama of it, the students love it. That's it. It's very immersive. It's yeah, immersive. It it's, it's insane. It's like scripted. It's just, you yeah, it's really, it, like. really interesting. Um, but yeah, but often when we have conversations about it, like, and how, you know, you, it obviously wouldn't happen today and how, like, you know, if the, if the genders were reversed or whatever, and we have all these conversations, but like, a lot of the students will often say things like, you know, the women, did they kind of know what they were getting themselves into by getting involved with him? How much of a choice did they have in getting involved with him? Like, did they know what they were getting themselves into? Was it the risk they were willing to take? You could imagine like family behind some of them. Like, I mean, it's the King of England, you yeah. know, wants to marry you. Your family would be encouraging you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your friends for, would be encouraging you. power alone. But even you know if I mean? you look in the case of Anne Boleyn, like her her family suffered you know but her brother is executed over mm. it like it's it's um it's incredibly sad yeah and like you know i've been to the tower of london and i know you've been there too and you've seen his armor haven't you yeah yeah i've been there several times because i'm a complimentary armor yeah it yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yes y'all need to just type that into google yeah you'll know. have a look at it you'll know what we mean yeah you'll be typing like generous the time i typed for rasputin that was so funny it was just so <laughs> aggressive it was very it was so quick as well it was like oh my god <laughs> i'm glad you still love me <laughs> i mean you know? love is a strong word <laughs> tolerate <laughs> that was mean i'm sorry yeah my heart <laughs> my heart my little <laughs> how many songs have we sang in this podcast i don't know but we should create an album <laughs> <laughs> would you would you buy the album if the listeners are like buy okay we're like would you listen to the yeah, album yeah would you listen like we'd put that if out we for gave free. it for free yeah I mean look how kind we are I don't know either I've la- like we've been if you think about it we've been recording for about four hours we've <laughs> just been talking in circles yeah yeah bit of Sammy Mumba here yeah bit of you know I don't know what there but something over there yeah yeah yeah. But this has been a fun episode. It Just has. exhausted, but fun. We're tired. We're so tired. And we've got a whole... Well, no, actually, we get our Christmas holidays very soon. Very soon. We'll and be off. We'll be able to relax a little bit. Yeah. Do some fun Christmas things. Mm-hmm. Hope you guys have a lovely Christmas. Oh a gosh. really nice Christmas. Whatever that means for you. Yeah, if you're listening to this on Christmas Day, happy Christmas. And for if me, you're it means playing April, Crash Bandicoot in my pajamas. Oh. For me, it's playing Crash Bandicoot in my pajamas and having dinner cooked for me by a very special person. Uh. My friend. Claire. <laughs> I'm like, who's that? Because it's not me. <laughs> you're like, what? Sorry? <laughs> Sorry, what? Yeah. Who? Are you just inviting yourself? I'm going to my coke because I'm so dehydrated from all the talking. This gives me the chance to, to, to wish everyone a happy Christmas, but also just to encourage you guys to join up, join the page, like the Instagram page, please. <laughs> please. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. If you want to get us a Christmas present. Subscribe to us. Um, subscribe. Or tell your friends tell to subscribe. Your friends. Yeah. Or. Please. Just. Yeah. Just get us out there, man. <laughs> Topless man. <laughs> Okay, we have to go. <laughs> we, we definitely have yeah. to go. Um, we love you and leave you. We and do love you. We do. If you were my royal wife, 
or husband, I would keep you. I would not behead you. That's how much I love you. I'd protect you from the Blitzkrieg. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'd hide you in my backyard. (laughs) (laughs) I'd feed you hay in my shed. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Just leave. Just just go. (laughs) Just just leave. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. We love you. Bye.